You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 93. Friends, how are you doing? I hope winter is melting where you are because I am hearing some birds chirping, and it is amazing over here in the Northeast. If you are craving more sunshine, I have someone who is about to light up your day. In fact, she and I got along so, so good. We recorded long enough to split our conversation into two episodes. That's right. For the first time ever, I am going to be having back-to-back episodes featuring the same guest. This week and next week, I am chatting with my beautiful friend, Eleni Young. Eleni is a singer-songwriter from Canada who has rocked our musical world. And in part one, she shares with us her testimony of conversion. She also shares how singing and songwriting started for her and the incredible story behind one of her favorite songs, which is also mine, My Stoning. We both get really personal and raw, and I think it's going to blow you away. Then next week will be part two of our interview, where Eleni and I discuss the spiritual life behind the media that we consume and why we as parents need to check in and filter the media that our kids are being influenced by. I cannot wait to start this. These next two episodes are really amazing and I am here for it. So happy to have this powerful woman of God on the podcast with us. She is incredible. So let's get right into it, my friends. Here is the first of two episodes. I'm calling it Gifts and Media with Eleni Young, part one. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. The Hello Awesome podcast is sponsored by some good friends who want to give you a special treat just for showing up. If you're looking for super cute, modest clothing that is both classy and fun, Nuggles has you covered. Use code HelloAwesome10 for 10% off at www.nuggles.us. That's www.nuggles.us and stock up on essential yet affordable apparel right now. If this windy weather is leaving your skin crying out for help like mine, Oneness Essentials has what you need to be nourished again. Their handmade lotions and soap bars are seriously heavenly and smell amazing. Use code HelloAwesome at onenesssoapbiz.com for 15% off your next order of bath and body products today. That's O-N-E-N-E-S-S-S-O-A-P-B-I-Z dot com. Are you in love with a good scrunchie? If you know me, then you know my answer is, duh. And my favorite ones are from So Vita. These are high quality, handcrafted scrunchies straight out of indie. Seriously, they're perfect for long hair. Use code PODCAST for 10% off to pick up a handful of scrunchies like the popular Crushed Velvet or Satin Bow 
at sovita.com. That's S-E-W-V-I-D-A dot com. Go grab a bunch to add to your collection or give away as the perfect gift. I want to give a big shout out to those of you who are working in the medical field, especially our nurses and technicians. Bravo to you guys. Y'all are the real MVPs. If you need comfortable scrub skirts so that you can serve others while sticking to your modest lifestyle, Sea Saucy is the place for you. Use code HELLO10 for 10% off your entire order right now when you check out at seasaucy.com. That's C-S-A-U-C-Y.com. Go invest in a comfortable scrub skirt right now with Sea Saucy so that you can just focus on your patience and continue on being a light. Okay, who says athletic wear is boring? Not with Snaga Athletics. With so many fun colors and designs to choose from, you no longer have to struggle to stay modest when you are ready to be active. Use code JC10 for 10% off your minimum purchase of $20 and get free shipping on orders of $120 or more. This code doesn't apply to the Courtney T. Oliver collection and it's valid through April 30th at midnight. That code is J-A-C-Y-10 for 10% off your minimum purchase of $20 right now at snogaathletics.com. That's S-N-O-G-A-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S dot com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. I am here today with another guest. I'm so very excited to have Eleni Young. She is so talented and just an amazing person. We literally were talking for so long before I hit record and I probably wouldn't have hit record if it wasn't for like our interview that we had scheduled. But um, I'm just really, really glad, Eleni, that you are here with me today. Can you please take a moment to share who you are, what you do and where people might know you from? Hey girl. So thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I have been an avid listener since uh, I want to say probably about 2019, I think. Uh, there was a episode that you posted and then, um, I've just been hooked ever since. So it's really cool. A full circle moment to be on the podcast today. So thank you so much for having me. Um, I am a worship leader, songwriter, mom, wife, friend here in Alberta, Canada. We are not too far from the West coast. Um, I love where we're at. We are in a kind of a secluded area. We're in the prairies, so everything's really far away. And, um, we have a daughter work, um, I guess more of a church plant just outside of where I live about 15 minutes. Um, we have grown incredibly from the time we started about six years ago. Um, we have about 60 people that attend, um, when COVID isn't in our way. And, uh, yeah, I have the greatest husband, the greatest two girls and, uh, yeah, we're just living our best life up here in the middle of sort of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I definitely think it's so cool that you are Canadian because I think that makes you our first Canadian guest. So congratulations. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you. And That's super hear, cool. It is. It is really cool. I mean, I'm just glad that the Lord was able to use, you know, one of the podcast episodes to reach you. And then we get, we got to connect. So that's really mm -hmm. awesome too. Awesome. I love that. Now we also have similar stories being that 
uh, we both were converted into being apostolic Pentecostal. I know you shared your testimony with, I believe it was Jessica Heyman on her blog. And then I shared my testimony as well. And I was reading yours before I even asked you to be on the podcast. I had you on my heart already um, as a possible guest. But after I read your testimony, I knew I had to have you on just because (laughs) God really did such an incredible work in your life. And it literally is black and white. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to just walk us through how that happened for you. And I know that's loaded, but you know, if you could just take us to like how that even started. Okay. I'm always like really inconsistent with telling this story. Cause I, I always throw in things and then I take things out. Sometimes I'm going to try and give you like the nutshell version that sure. sort of has everything in there. Okay. <laughs> um, so in 2010, I threw a huge party over, um, it doesn't matter if I say this, but for reference in Lashburn, Saskatchewan, I trespassed on somebody's land and they had a huge tire shop and me and a few friends hosted a huge party. Um, there were like over 200 people there. It was, it was fun. It it was what it was. I was, um, pretty intoxicated. Uh, and there were this group of people and one of them struck me as just really different. I thought, first of all, I thought he was really cute. So I kind of went up to him and I was being crazy and stupid. And and he was like, obviously quite disgusted by me in that moment. (laughs) And, um, long story short, the cops came, um, we all went home. That was the end of that. So that was in August of 2010 in October, I believe of 2010, a girl reached out to me on Facebook. Um, her name is Jessica. And she just said, Hey girl, uh, I know that you like to sing. And basically up until this point, I would put, um, like covers on Facebook and YouTube and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was trying to be like a, a Tyler Ward, Christina Grimmy, you know, one of those people. <laughs> that was the dream. And uh, so she reached out and she's like, do you want to sing with me in the talent show? And I was like, uh, okay. I mean, we're teenagers. I don't think talent shows are really a thing anymore, but sure, I guess. And so we met up at Starbucks and um, she brought her boyfriend at the time And so it was just the three of us and we clicked right away. The three of us, um, they were quite different than anybody I had ever met. They were kind. um, They really emulated the light of Christ. They were Christians. And uh, so I just felt like, man, I've been around Christians my whole life. I was raised in church, uh, in a church, I guess. But um, these people didn't feel like any of those people, I guess. Mm -hmm. And they would always talk about this guy named Jeremiah and, uh, I guess I, I just assumed that he was like kind of hideous and I don't know, no offense if your name is Jeremiah, but I always just associate the name Jeremiah with the bullfrog. So I just assumed like whatever is Jeremiah is whatever. And so about a month into us meeting fairly regularly at Starbucks, Jeremiah did come and I saw him and I was like, Oh my word, that man is beautiful. And that's the guy that I saw at that party. And I knew right away that he thought the same thing. Like he was like, oh my Lord, that's the girl from the party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I told him this later on, like he, there was something different about him that drew me to him at that mm-hmm. party. And I believe that it was a work of the Holy ghost. Like, I mean, whether you want to believe it or not, even if you have one foot in the church, I feel, I feel like it's better than having no feet in the church. And he just, 
you can tell that there was something emulating from him. And so we got chatting and, and we exchanged numbers and we were friends for a little while. Um, I thought he was cute. I don't think he thought I was cute, but that's fine. <laughs> we just kept hanging out. Um, eventually Jessica and her boyfriend broke up. And so it wasn't really the four of us anymore. It was just the two of us. So Jared and I would go to Starbucks and we would talk and, and we would text and he would help me out with some of the stuff I was going through. Um, my dad was an alcoholic and he was abusive. So I was just dealing with a lot of baggage at home and stuff like that. He was always really, really good. He was such a friend. He was so kind and he was just so, um, he was so eager to be a listening ear in some moments for me that were really, really dark. And even the people that I thought were in my corner, you know, totally left me for, for dead. And it was mm -hmm. just him. So he, he stayed around and, and we just built this really great friendship. Um, probably about a year or more into our friendship, he invited me to his church. And, um, at this point I had been doing, you know, all kinds of drugs I actually have like a completely destroyed septum because of all the cocaine I had done in such a short amount of time. Mm. I have like a big hole between my nostrils, which is super fun when I'm trying to sleep and it's whistling, but anyways, that's fine. Um, see, I'm a popcorn talker. <laughs> and so, um, I got you. I'm the same. Yes. Yeah, girl. <laughs> so, um, he would just kind of he never condemned me, I guess, for doing any of this stuff. I was also sleeping around. I, I was not cream of the crop material for like, especially a girlfriend, but even like a friend, like to be associated with me meant that he was associating himself with like the world. Like there was no light of Jesus in me at all. So for him to, you know, pull me aside and take me to Starbucks and text me all the time, just to check up on me, I feel like that in itself is speaks volumes mm -hmm. for what the church is actually supposed to be doing today. You know, we get that so mixed up, um, but that's another topic for another day. And um, so he invited me to his church. It was literally just this tiny house gutted out um, with a few pews and a couple people. <laughs> and um, I walked in, I was late because I got lost. I was looking for a church. I, didn't, I wasn't looking for a house. And I finally found this little house and I got there and it was late and they had already started worship. I was supposed to be there for prayer. Whoops. And um everything just stopped. Like as soon as I walked in the back door, everybody, everybody stopped playing music, stopped singing, stopped everything. And they all just turned around and stared at me. And I was wearing, like, I knew his mom wore skirts. So I was wearing a skirt. Um, it was like tight and short, but whatever. And I was wearing like these huge feather earrings. I had my hair kind of in a pixie cut and the back of it was spiky. And I don't know, I thought I was cute. <laughs> mm -hmm. I remember his mom just being like, Hey, come sit with us. You know, and there was literally nowhere else to sit, but it was sweet that, you know, she was just so kind and, and welcoming to, yeah. to want to have me sit with them. And so I sat with them and it was not my ideal church scenario. Um, but I just, I kept going, I guess, probably because I had a crush on Jeremiah and I was hoping that maybe I could win his heart through going to his church. <laughs> um, but the Lord, but God, <laughs> yes. um, we ended up dating and, you know, I'll be the first to say we didn't have a perfect dating relationship. We broke up all the time. We got back together all the time. I wasn't, we weren't perfect. And that was just the way that life was for us. I feel like I might've had a lot to do with that. Um, however, it was his choice at the end of the day to make decisions. And, um, we both just, we were just trying to ride it out. I was really, I was really rooting for a relationship, but I didn't want to convert to his church because I thought it was crazy. I thought it was a cult, but I kept going because I knew that, you know, the more I went, 
the more that he would like me and the more that I would maybe get used to this place. Mm-hmm. Um, long story again, condensed, uh, just to say there was a church split. We ended up moving uh, out to Kid Scotty, which is where we have church now and life completely changed. Um, we started off with 11 people. It was literally like Jer's family and then the pastor and his family. Um, I just felt the Holy ghost from the moment that we started to sort of maneuver our way through this church split. It was like, Mm -hmm. I was still, my foot was still semi in the world, but I was slowly gravitating towards converting and, and getting baptized and all this stuff. I did get baptized. Um, and I was filled with the spirit. And from there, it was just like a series of really tough decisions that I had to make for myself. You know, like, do you want to associate with this? Do you want to still do that? Uh, you know, if you want to wear this, then you can't wear that. And, and your hair can't be this. And this must be that. And there were a lot of what seemed like rules at the time. So I made a lot of decisions really rashly. And I tried so hard to fit in. Um, but failed time and time again, because when you do something with the wrong heart, you're pretty much setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. So eventually um, the Lord got a hold of me and it was really and truly after Jared and I got married that the Lord convicted me and showed me in his scripture um, the importance of, you know, doing these things and, and being holy and being a vessel. It wasn't an overnight thing for me. And I don't believe that it is really an overnight thing for everybody. You know, I've seen people come up out of the water and and they're delivered and they're freed, but that doesn't mean that they still don't struggle with, you know, some mental stuff after, because it's hard to, to lay everything at the altar and not turn back. Like it's a, it's a struggle. So, I mean, to say that I'm perfect today would be very, very far. (laughs) I wouldn't say that anywhere close to perfect, but, um, I do believe that I've come so far in the past, you know, just six years of, um, devoting my life fully to the Lord. And, um, he has honored that, which I think is so incredible to see. No, I really appreciate your vulnerability and just sharing your journey because that's what's honestly, that's, what's going to really shine the light on his mercy and Mm -hmm. his grace for us. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I have said this before that I don't believe God calls us to perfection. I believe he calls us to healing and there's a difference. And the one thing that I feel that, um, you know, it doesn't really matter what denomination, but I really do feel like church in general, that culture, the church culture in general is that uh, we try to be perfect and we don't want people to see our mistakes or our flaws, but we'll never be perfect down here because we are sinful creatures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not an excuse to do things, um, but it's also uh, freeing to let us know that there is a place, heaven, uh, that we can be perfect. And so down here is where we can be refined and we can be healed. And mm-hmm. that's a journey. And to go from uh, just being um you know, just consumed with a whole different lifestyle, you know, doing drugs and partying, being with different people, switching to like the church life, that is going to be a shock. And if somebody can do that seamlessly, they're probably not human. (laughs) Totally. Um, Or they're not being honest. (laughs) Well, right. Because even if let's say, you know, 
even if they got the holiness right, there's going to be some internal things that they will have to work through. And so that's something that I think, uh, you know, needs to be talked about a lot more. And so I'm glad you just shared that, that it wasn't easy. I know for mm-hmm. me personally, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. I definitely came into the, into the Lord, you know, quickly, uh, four months I was baptized. Mm, wow. Um, got filled with the whole, well, actually I got filled with the Holy ghost first. And then I was like, well, I guess I have to get baptized. Um, <laughs> it's about that time. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but the same thing too, um, Jonathan was my good friend. We were really, really good friends and he was very sweet. And honestly, I was in a, another relationship at the time. I was actually engaged to be married and he Whoa. was just that listening ear. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I remember I had the thought of if I married this guy, he doesn't believe in God, but I still do. Like I did, mm-hmm. even though I didn't know what that meant. I right. just knew that there was a creator. I believe there was a father. Um, I didn't know that Jesus was the father, but I I knew that there was a greater being and he did not. And that was conflicting to me. Mm. And I just knew, like, how could you parent children different, that, like that different? Um, right. And so that's why I didn't move forward. And Jonathan was really that ear um, for me, because if I talked to anybody else in our circle of friends, guess what? They would want me to just get married because they all knew the guy. We were all friends. So there's, there's a lot of, like you said, like baggage and different things we have to work through, but, but God, he is so amazing. He's so merciful. And if we look at our lives today and people you know, maybe they see us on social media and they think we've always been this way. We haven't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is us proclaiming we haven't. Exactly. And even like, I would argue that you and I both, like we have to work through some stuff probably every single day. Mm-hmm. We have to make decisions for our family that goes maybe contrary to what we were raised in or how we were raised. Like for yes. me, it's like, you know, I'm surrounded by, I'm a first generation. So I'm surrounded by family members and people that don't understand. And that, you know, some, Mm -hmm. some of them truly choose not to understand. They think we're crazy. And it's like, no, so-and-so I really would rather you didn't take my kid for a haircut while I didn't know, like, yes, or things like that. Or it's like, yes, she is wearing a dress and runners. I know maybe it's not your favorite look, but she likes it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. like, and I have to make decisions every day that conflicts with how I was raised and, and maybe how I perceive that people are going to think of this situation. Oh, they're going to think we're crazy. They're going to think we're culty, but I mean, it's not their kids. They're my kids. They're, they're our kids. And I think like, and at the end of the day, we're God's kids. And Mm -hmm. this is the way that we believe that God wants us to raise our children. So like, we know you and I both know it's, it's tough. It is, it is tough. And I think that's why we need to really be, um, settled in the word and you know we have to study the word for ourselves like you said you didn't really get that conviction for holiness until you saw the scriptures for yourself and god really worked in you and i think it i think we have to as a church um not put limitations or timelines on people's growth right wow that's a word i mean i felt that for me right now (laughs) like maybe (laughs) I i need to chew on that for myself but I do feel like, you know, we expect, so, oh, she's been in the church six months. She should stop cutting her hair now. Well, mm-hmm. maybe, but maybe God hasn't convicted her about that because maybe there's something in her heart that's more important right now. Do you know what right. I'm saying? 
there's something, there's an underlying and, Mm -hmm. and I'm not even saying that it's always like a bad thing. Like, no, there's an underlying sin. No, 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 no. I'm saying like, maybe it's something that she's just wrestling with God about. And sure. Like, I think back to Jacob when he was wrestling with God, like he got a broken Mm -hmm. hip out of the deal. Like he didn't come out a true winner on the other side, but he came out because he endured. And, you know, I think when people look at us that maybe haven't got it all together or we're not doing, we're not meeting their timeline criteria. I think like, you know what? Yeah. I've got a broken hip right now, but (laughs) the Lord and I are, are going through this. Mm -hmm. And as long as I endure, it even says in the scripture, the one who endures to the end will be saved. I think like, let me go through this. Let me walk with the Lord in this. Let me figure this out for myself. And then we'll chat on judgment day. You know, we'll chat in the lineup into the pearly gates. Like we'll chat. It's fine. Right. Just let me be. And, and you worry about yourself. Cause I'm sure you've got some stuff you got to work on too. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's why God calls us to edify each other. Mm-hmm. He didn't call us to be saviors. We're not so supposed true. to be everybody's little saviors. And I think mm-hmm. we have to be careful because yes, there is a judgment that we should have as Christians, but that judgment should not be with conviction. It should be with compassion. Judging means that you're in the way that the Lord is judging is that you're deciding what's right and what's wrong. But conviction is, is something that the Lord will, um, you know, the Lord will be in charge of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the condemnation comes when we try and take that seat, when we try and take the Lord out of the judgment seat and we sit down. And right. so, you know. That's a dangerous place to be. That's I honestly, I don't want to be there. And anytime that I feel myself being judgmental, I mean, my husband and I, we will call each other out on it, obviously privately, but together and be like, Hey, when you said this, it kind of came off that way. I don't know if you meant it that way. And sometimes we're like, Oh, wow. Like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really didn't mean it that way, but I could see how that would come across as like being judgmental or like being too much in that situation. Yeah, totally. You're right. You're right. Me and my husband have these conversations all the time. And it's a matter of like me. Well, it's a matter of us working on our communication as a couple, I guess, but it's also a matter of like, no, you don't, you actually don't know how I was raised and vice versa. Like he doesn't know. I don't know how he was raised. Like that's something that we had to walk through too, because mm -hmm. like you said, I was brought up a certain way. You were brought up a certain way. And both of our husbands grew up in the church and had their own struggles. And so they have very mm-hmm. strong beliefs. And so it's like, do you believe this because you actually have those convictions for yourself because God showed you, or are you just believing this because this is what they said is right or, or wrong? Right. And um, I think it's not just because it's, we're not like trying to challenge them in a way to be negative, but it's just kind of like, um, let's make these decisions together. And mm-hmm. let's just have these conversations together because if you don't have an open conversation, then it's a dictatorship and God doesn't call us to, 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 um, be dictators within our relationships It's to co it's to, um, like coincide. Is that a word? <laughs> it's yeah, to yeah. just, you know, coincide with each other. We need to be, uh, you know, team. And I tell the boys all the time, you know, uh, David and Samuel, they always like to try and, um, uh, I shouldn't say always, but you know how kids are, you know, like mommy said this, daddy said this. (laughs) And so they know that my husband can be a certain way about certain things. And so can I. And so they'll say, well, well, daddy, you know, uh, said this or whatever. And I'm like, okay, can I ask him? And then I see the change in their face. And I always remind (laughs) them, see, we're a team. 
So if right. you tell me something, he will eventually find out and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And he will back me up and I will back him up for, for that. But it's so funny to see their faces change like, oh, shoot, they're actually, they mean this. They're, they're one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's so true. That's another thing. Like I grew up with in um, sort of a dysfunctional household. So, mm. I mean, I bring <laughs> to this marriage, I bring like this weird ideology about how like, well, I'm the woman and I make the decisions because my mother was like the sober one and she made the decisions for our family because oh, my dad was yeah. like spending all the money on, you know, alcohol and on all the things. So, so sure. it was like, um, here's the thing. I'm going to handle the finances. I'm going to handle the kids. I'm going to handle the job part. I'm going to handle this. And you know what? You just sit there and look pretty. I'll, you know, I just wanted to be the, what's the word? Like I wanted to be the one that was relied upon. I wanted to be the helper. I wanted to be the most important part of the family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jerry grew up and he's like, no, no, my dad was the breadwinner of the family. And my dad did this and my dad did that. I'm like, okay, but um, is that going to work here? You know, <laughs> that doesn't really work with the way that I think we should be parents or, you know, a married couple. So that is something else we've had to work through. And that just, that was just baggage, my baggage. I take full responsibility. That's my baggage. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just been such a weird learning curve to, to figure out how to maneuver raising a family and, you know, having a household, a healthy household, um, with a mom who carries a ton of baggage. Mm -hmm. And like, I still battle so many things in my mind. And, and that's just, I, I can't blame it so much on, I don't know. I just want to say like, it's a chronic thing that I've always dealt with. Like I deal with depression and anxiety. And, and the truth of it is, is like my dad was chronically depressed. So I don't know if it's something that I inherited, but it's like, I've done everything. I've done all the medications I've been on the things. And at the end of the day, nothing worked the way that my environment is working for me. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I've had to like make the decision, like, okay, I like you better when you're not medicated. So let's try and make our home environment the most ideal to help you to become, you know, the best mom that you can be the best wife. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we're working through right now. because I'm dealing with some pretty serious, like, um, what's it called? Like winter blues. Like sure. we're getting like less and less sunlight up here. And I'm just like, I just need some vitamin D in my life. And, you know, I haven't been able to travel. I was supposed to be going, every, well, I was supposed to be going somewhere every month from March until October. And March was the last time I could go somewhere. I went to Florida to Vanquish Studios to record um, the last few songs I've released. And so I haven't been anywhere since. And that broke my heart. Like that's been the hardest thing to deal with. Yeah, I understand that for sure. I think we are wired in such a way, especially as creative people, that we can't help it. There's something within us that is drawn to our work, that's drawn to that environment that Mm -hmm. I think helps us because... And I don't know, this kind of leads me to, um, you know, like I was going to ask you, like, when did music and singing like begin for you? And I feel like, you know, when I was growing up, you know, there was a lot of anger within me and Mm. art and writing was just, it was, it was so much therapy for me. And I feel like when we are creative people, 
our creativity is that therapy for me. And it's not saying that the Lord isn't enough. He is more than enough. But because we live here on this earth and because we are human and we are flesh and we are subject to certain things, we mm. have to maneuver our emotions. And and one way to do that is with, with creativity. And I think I see that with you. And mm-hmm. and I, I want to know, like, what is your background with music and singing? How did that begin for you? Okay. So, um, I have been, so I've always dealt with, um, you know, I guess tracking back to just growing up in sort of a dysfunctional home. My mom worked all the time, you know, and my dad was an alcoholic and abusive and crazy and depressed and all the things. Mm. Um, and I feel like I can talk about this now a little bit better because he passed away in June. I grew up in a, in an interesting home situation and I just needed some coping mechanisms for myself. Um, I always pretty much from the time I could form sentences and, and read, uh, I was a writer. I've always written stories. I've written short stories. I've written poems. I've, I've written, you know, novels, like little pretend fake ones as a, you know, as, as novelish as an eight-year-old can write. I don't know. Um, I was really encouraged to write from, you know, my, uh, English teacher, she was always like, you have a gift for writing. And so she just always encouraged me to write and she would always let me read my stories in front of the English class and, and all that good stuff. And so, um, I especially loved poetry. Um, I had a, um, I had a poem that was published in a book actually when I was nine years old, which was kind of cool. I felt like it was like, that's my debut, but really, I don't know. I don't know. Oh my it was gosh, probably like, <laughs> Did you have a, we're you like did? The same, we're like the same person. You're the Canadian me and I'm the American you. <laughs> oh, lo- this is cool. And I'm like the girl mom and you're the boy mom. This is oh so cool. Gosh, that's awesome. Okay. Sorry. Continue. When you're talking, I'm like, oh my gosh, so did I. Oh my gosh. So did I. That is so cool. What in the, thank you, Jesus, for this fun little friendship. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so all that to say, I was also in piano at the same time. I did the Royal Conservatory uh, piano from the time I was, I actually started when I was three and I did it pretty religiously. If I could say that until I was about 14, I have my grade eight. Um, I just slacked off for a couple of years. Um, and so eventually I just started to put the two together, you know, writing poetry with some melody behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more I did it, the more comfortable I got Uh, when it came to like sharing stuff, you know, I would write about like how boys broke my heart and I would write silly things. And that was sort of the era of like Taylor Swift's up up and coming. So I was like, yeah, I'm the next Taylor Swift naturally. And I wrote all these songs and and they're cheesy and silly, but um, when it came down to it, I believe that I have, I had a gift that was given to me. And I think the Lord was just waiting for like the perfect time to sort of steward it. So when I was eight years old, I was at my grandparents' church and they had a special speaker there. This is like its own story, but it fits in. I promise. <laughs> um, I was sitting there beside them near the front row. And this uh, speaker was, he was, uh, he sort of worked in the prophetic. And so he was speaking and, and preaching and doing this thing. And it was like family day. So the kids had to sit upstairs and my goodness, this was the most boring. Like I was like, I would had done all the coloring. I had chewed all the gum. I'm like, can we go now? And so he's speaking and I'm just staring straight ahead, probably kindly almost falling asleep. And he 
points at me and he's like, we need to pray for this girl. And I was just like, what me? And I looked behind me to be like, um, and like my grandparents were like her. (laughs) And so he asked them to bring me to the, the aisle and all these people. So I was eight, I wasn't super tall. So I feel like I've at that moment, this is just a tangible feeling for me that I can still feel today. So I'm sitting or I'm standing in the middle of the aisle and all these people are putting their arms over me as if it was like, as if they were like covering me, like almost like a teepee, I don't know, yeah. or like, a, you know, all their hands were stretched out and it was right on top of my head. And so they were all praying. And he said, this girl is going to be used mightily by God in the gift of language. And so I was like, huh, all right, that's mm-hmm. cool. You know, I was in French immersion school. Um, I'm fluent in French. So at the time I thought like, well, maybe God's going to use me as an interpreter someday or something like that. And then, um, you know, I strayed far away from God and there was all that stuff in the middle. And then um, I hadn't really forgotten about that, but it like, it just became sort of like something I had stored in my archives. Like it wasn't, I never really, every time I wrote a song, it wasn't like, I'm fulfilling the word of the Lord. You know, it was just like, I still remembered that, but it wasn't, I didn't understand what it was all about. And so in 2019, I was laying in bed. Uh, It was June. I was laying in bed and I could not sleep. I was rolling over. I was like doing my very best to get to sleep. And it was like two in the morning and I just could not sleep. And it was so frustrating because I remember I had to wake up early the next day. So I'm just like, this sucks. I'm going to have the worst day tomorrow. Like I can't (laughs) sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, All of a sudden I my eyes were open, but all of a sudden everything went completely black in my room. And I was like, uh, this is weird. Like, am I sleeping or what's going on? And, um, I got this vision from the Lord and it brought me back to that one time where I was eight and all these people were praying over me. And, um, the, you know, this, um, preacher, he, you know, said the prophecy and all this stuff. And then the Lord revealed to me in that vision, he's like, I'm going to use you in the gift of music. I was just like, what? And I was just like laying there crying. I was like, oh my God, this is so crazy. And I like rolled over to my husband. I'm like, babe, the Lord just gave me a vision. And he's just like, go to sleep. (laughs) That's so real. Oh my gosh. How (laughs) real is that? I love that so much. He's like, you probably gave you a vision because you're like so overtired and like Mm -hmm. you probably made it up. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that, but and I, I remembered that vision so, so well. So that was in June. In July of 2019, we were at NAYC um, and uh, I had sang. So I was part of the talent search, the top 12, I think it was, um, which was really cool and such an amazing experience. It was with, um, uh, what's it called? My Hope Radio. There we go. Yes. <laughs> and so I got to sing and And so when we were rehearsing, we did a sound check. I did my sound check. I was so nervous about this whole thing. And when I get nervous, I, okay, this is full disclosure. When I get nervous, I get sick. So um, as soon as I was done on the platform during rehearsal, I ran to the bathroom and I pretty much just like sat there with my head in the toilet until it was time for me to Uh sing again, (laughs) which was, you know, so, um, it was, that was that I didn't hear any of their other performances. And so I came out and it was my turn to sing again. Um, I sang and it was okay. wasn't the best, but that's that. 
And then I went to sit down and the next people that were singing before me or after me, sorry, which I missed before, um, was the Jamaican apostolic Jamaican youth, I think. And they sang Psalm 23, I'm not alone. And so for my performance, everybody, and I call it performance. Cause that's really what it was. I mean, I tried to lead people in worship, but they were all looking at me and like, what is this woman? And why is she singing this song? <laughs> but as soon as they got up there and started singing the whole stadium, just like stopped what they were doing. Like everybody stopped talking to their friends and taking selfies. And they all just like fell and worshiped. And it was just so beautiful. I was totally taken back by that. And so I was sitting there and I was like actually crying a little bit because I was so unhappy with the performance aspect of my portion and the Lord, like almost audibly, like it was so loud. He spoke to me and was just like, Eleni, don't worry so much about being the one that carries your songs. And I was like, oh, wow. So Psalm 23, I'm not alone. I'm a writer on that song, which is really cool. Um, it was a really cool experience, but just to see it traveling all over and to see like the whole stadium light up in worship was just such an incredible experience. And I just remember the Lord, it was like, he like had his arm around me and was sitting beside me. He was just like, see that, you know, like looks over at me, see that girl, don't worry so much about, you know, your performance aspect. Don't worry about carrying your songs. You know, I'll take care of that. And so it was just so beautiful. And so I've, I've tried to work so hard to be a steward of songs rather than, you know, an artist or mm -hmm. somebody who sings and, and has singles out. I don't think that that's the most important. Um, but their songwriting for me is something that I'm not only passionate about, but I feel like the Lord has just, he's given me a gift and I'm working through stewarding that gift, whatever it takes. I'll write with anybody. Like you ask, you want to write a song? All right. I'll write a song with you. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to, you want me to write with you on a project. I'm there. You want me to just write a song for your graduating daughter. I'm there. Like I'll do anything. Um, because the Lord uses these songs to, you know, get to the root of where people are. And it has been such a beautiful thing to get to see firsthand. That's incredible. Oh my goodness. There are so many layers to that. And I'm sure there are different things that happened in between, um, that you didn't get to share just because that's how the Lord works is he just places all these little nuggets throughout our life. Mm -hmm. And so when somebody asks a blanket statement, there is not a blanket answer. Um, <laughs> and I definitely will be talking to you about songwriting very soon. You and I, um, this is a confirmation for me, but anyways, we will talk about that after, but yeah. Oh man, that's such an incredible opportunity that you had. That's so important, I think, for young people to listen to and to hear, you know, you say is that we shouldn't be so focused on being the center of our ministry. Mm -hmm. So whatever message that God has given us to share, that it is our job, like you said, to steward that message well and to use the tools that are available to us. Um, mm -hmm. And then you 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 create that content um, and you put it out there, but it may not be you that's going to be at the center of it. Maybe somebody else will pick it up and they, you know, maybe you'll, you know, mm -hmm. uh, use that content, whether it's on a podcast or a song or whatever, and that'll gain more traction than when you started. But the whole exactly. point is he's getting the glory through that message. Mm -hmm. You know, you were the one that steward your heart, you know, or steward that message, steward that project. 
And so God's honoring it and it's going to reach whoever he wants it to reach. And he's going to use whoever is available. And it's not saying you weren't, but there are people that that group could reach that you couldn't, you know what I mean? Exactly. And, And so we are, we are truly the body of Christ. We truly are a family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everybody brings such different gifts to the table. Mm-hmm. You know, my gift might be writing a song and, you know, your gift might be um, like, you're a great writer, you're a phenomenal writer. And so like, I'm not the best writer, truthfully, I'm a better songwriter than I am a writer because I need like meter rhyme and melody. It's, it's a lot easier for me to do something that requires mm-hmm. me to rhyme words than it is to, you know, use these big articulate words to, to get my point across and to please the intelligent folks. But like, I mean, everybody has such different gifts and I, I believe that the Lord is such an anonymous God. That's what I love about him. And like, I know that not everybody loves to hear that, but he loves working anonymously. And like, I love Mm. seeing, I mean, he gets the glory. I shouldn't say it that way. He loves to work through people and they are anonymous. (laughs) Does that make sense? I'm, if it makes sense in my head, but yeah, I see what um, you're saying. I see yeah. what you're saying. Um, you know, there like are a lot it's of not about you. God. Yes, yes. There are a lot of people that God used in the Bible and they don't even have a first name. No, they said exactly. the woman at the well. She's literally known as the woman at the well. She has yeah. no name. And yet she left her water pot and told everybody about the Lord. And that was like the first account that somebody ever witnessed to other people was mm-hmm. the woman at the well. And she has no name. So I definitely understand what you mean is, is he gets the glory. He is not anonymous, but he will use different people and he mm-hmm. may not have their name be in lights. Exactly. Exactly. And I know so many people that I get, I mean, I come into contact with people all the time and you can just tell from the moment that you start talking with them, oh, you're actually not in this for ministry. You know, you're, Mm. you're not in this for giving God glory. You're not, you're actually like not writing this song because you believe that this is a word for the church right now. You're Mm. writing this song because you really think it's going to get a whole bunch of hits. And so I've truthfully, like, this is something I've had to learn as a songwriter. You can write songs until you are blue in the face, but when God drops a song on your lap, that's like the song. I mean, it will go so much farther than any of your radio hits that you think you're going to have or whatever, all of your perfectly formulated songs that you've written. I'm not discouraging anybody from writing because I believe that, you know, writing songs is like a muscle. You have to practice, you have to get good at it and you're never actually good at it, but you try to think you are, but you need to learn and you need to get better. And, um, but nothing comes between me and that moment where I just, sit there at my piano and I just let God work through me, you know, and it's not saying that I don't do that often, but these days I just haven't had the time really to just sit down at my piano with my, I have what's called a, um, a prayer journal, but I call it a two way journaling. And it's actually a method from Chrissy Nordoff. Who's the writer of famous Four um, mm-hmm. by Torin Wells. Mm-hmm. And your great name by Natalie Grant. She's a phenomenal writer and she's a dear friend of mine. And she has this concept called two-way journaling where you actually literally write down every single thought and prayer that you're thinking in this moment. You know, you set aside time to do this. Mm-hmm. And as you feel the Lord speaking to you or giving you these little nuggets of wisdom, you write them down. 
So I have a journal that is full of like my rambling and then God's response. And it is so cool to see how many songs have come out of God's responses. And so I feel like when you make time to write songs that are in tune with the Lord and that go with his ministry and that promote his glory, I feel like there's so much more value in that. And maybe it Mm -hmm. might not look like value on this side of earth, you know, or this side of heaven, I should say. Um, Maybe you don't get signed. Maybe you don't get to sing at NAYC. Maybe you don't get this and that and the other, but man, that mansion that you've got over the hilltop, (laughs) you know, that person that you're impacting for the kingdom that's listening, that young person that is, is aspiring to be a songwriter. Like those are the things that matter most to God. It's not about you and your song and your royalties and your name that that's foolish. That's rubbish. That, that doesn't last. So that's, I mean, if I could pass on wisdom to anyone who's listening, just for goodness sake, write the song, but make sure that you're writing from a place where you are okay with not getting glory for that song. Um, or write from a place where, you know, the Lord is speaking to you because that is what matters at the end of the day. Yes. Amen. That was just so incredibly, um, just rich in wisdom. And I'm so thankful that you went there because it really is important. And I think there are people out there who are, um, you know, worshipers or they feel led to do music ministry and maybe they feel discouraged because they haven't been handed the microphone yet. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, you still need to, if, if God has called you to worship and I mean, first of all, you know, let the worshipers arise, all of us, you know, we are all, we are all meant to worship. Um, But if God has called you specifically for worship ministry and to lead people in worship and that there's something placed within you for this calling, that doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily mean that you are going to be leading worship on a stage. It doesn't mean that you're going to be making those hit albums. I mean, there are, there are teams of people behind these artists that we don't see. And so you might be used for exactly what God wants you to be used for music ministry, but it may not be what our Western culture and our brain here Mm -hmm. in, you know, America and Canada and and the surrounding, you know, what we think that Mm -hmm. means being a music artist, you know, you are following a different path from what the world has paved, you know? And so, um, you know, I know as far as the songs that you've written, um, Truly, they are beautiful. And um, I can't tell you how many times I've personally wept and found myself uh, at, you know, um, on the altar of of my little um, master bathroom that I was talking to you about earlier the little post <laughs> before we were recording. That's kind of like my prayer um, closet in there. And I love my stoning. I love mm-hmm. that song so much. It's so rich. And I want to know, first of all, how did that song, you know, came to be? And also what is one of your favorite songs that you've written so far, if you could pick one? Oh man, I'm so glad that you asked about that song or, or noted about it because that is my favorite song I've ever written. Mm-hmm. However, I did not write it. <laughs> I wrote the song. Yes. I penned the song, but the Lord 100% wrote that song. Like if Jesus could get royalties, Jesus gets the royalties for that song. I'm not even lying. Like I'm not even trying to be funny. It's like Mm -hmm. legit. So I believe you. In (laughs) Thanks girl. In May of 2019, this was a huge year for me. 2019 was big year, big year. I 
Uh, this was right before I had that vision. So that was in June. So this is in May. I'm in, um, or actually it's in April, one of the two, it doesn't matter, spring. I'm in Manitoba and I am getting to partner up with um, the Kinners, Amanda and Daniel Kinner and Joel Lawler, Rob Green, um, just this incredible and talented group of people. I honestly don't even know how I got there, but that's a whole different, the Lord literally picked me up and dropped me there. I can't even explain Mm -hmm. it. So I'm in the middle of nowhere in Manitoba. And if you're familiar with Manitoba, you know that it literally is the middle of nowhere. It is like flat and bland and cold, (laughs) all the things dusty. I don't even know. So I'm there and I'm ministering at this mosaics, uh, conference that we had put on this, this dream team. And, uh, you know, we had a few people come, uh, which is, which was awesome because it was so much fun. And I made some lifelong friends there. Um, but one of the most impacting things that came from that conference actually had nothing to do with the conference itself. Uh, long story short, I'm again, I'm sitting at the dinner table. Um, we were, they had the church hall sort of set up in these big round tables and we could all sit together. That was in a time where we could all sit together at one table. And, um, I'm sitting with all these people and I wasn't really, I, I wasn't involved in any particular conversation. There was lots going on around me, but, um, directly across the table from me was Joel Lawler. And, um, when he and I had first met, we didn't seem to really hit it off that well. Like I had just met him, you know, a couple days before when he flew in. And so he was sick and sort of tired. So I just assumed that we weren't friends. <laughs> So, um, he's sitting across from me and he starts speaking to me and like the, for me to describe this, it's like, imagine you're in this huge room with all of these people and everybody's talking and it's so loud. And then just imagine that it all gets like completely muffled and it's just nothing like Mm -hmm. it's still background noise, but it's quiet. And then imagine somebody sitting directly across from you and just start speaking to you. He was speaking in like this volume, but it was so loud to me. And he spoke to me and he started, and it was so weird. I've never had this happen before. And I haven't had it happen since. Um, He started to speak to me about these personal things that were going on in my own life. And he started to just extract all these, um, you know, ugly things and, and, at the end of it, it was like, if you want to be used in ministry, you have to be willing to give stuff up and sacrifice. I was thinking like, okay, (laughs) well, I feel completely naked right now. And everybody's staring at me, you know, like Mm -hmm. I've just been like, he just totally humiliated me, but nobody actually heard. And to this day, Joel does not remember having this conversation with me. And it is so weird. And I would argue that I've like lost my sanity because I've had these you know, chats with God through people. And I'm just like, or like these visions. I'm like, am I, am I just like hovering above earth or have I lost (laughs) my marbles completely? Like, I don't know. So anyways, we had this conversation that he doesn't remember. Um, I really just wanted to go back to my room after that. Like I didn't, I really didn't want to talk with anybody. I was just like really mulling over that conversation I just had. So I went back to the room and, uh, even like Rob and I had been talking quite a bit, like before we would go to, go to our rooms, we would sort of meet in the hallway and just chat on the way uh, to bed. And we would, we would sit there for hours and just chat about life and and things. But like that night I was like, I'm going to bed. See ya. You know, and he's like, Oh, okay. You know? <laughs> and um, so I, I got into my room and I shut the door and I locked the door and I 
I threw everything onto the bed, like, you know, my purse and stuff and my phone. And, and I remember just weeping and I was like, God, what was that about? Like, what is so ugly within me that you had to publicly humiliate me <laughs> or whatever? And so I was praying and I was praying in the spirit. It felt like I was praying for like 15 minutes. And, you know, I looked at my phone and it was like 1 a.m. And I had just been praying and, and wrestling with God and just like trying to figure out what was going on and, and speaking in tongues. And then at, at some point, I just felt to be just silent. You know, I just sat there and cried and I just was quiet and, and I just stopped because I was kind of feeling like my prayers were hitting the ceiling at that point. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, when I came and I threw all my stuff on my bed, my phone had been in the middle of all this kerfuffle stuff. And uh, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, I want you to give up social media for a season. Like that's, what's holding you back. And I was just like, okay, that, how easy was that? God, couldn't you have just said that through Joel? Like, why did it, why did we have to go through this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just weeping. I was like, okay, God, I'll do it. Uh, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. And, and that's it, I guess. Like, thank you for that. I, I, I hope that I can get to new levels and new heights with you, I guess. Like, I don't know. And so I'm sitting there and I'm just like crying and and praying. And all of a sudden, um, the Lord drops this song right into my lap. I'm not even kidding. It was like the words, the melody of everything. And so I grabbed my phone and I went into my notes as fast as I could. And I just start, started writing it down. This was maybe less than two minutes by the time I got this whole song done. And I... Yeah because I'm such a melody person, I got my voice memo or voice note memo thing or whatever you want to call that. And I took mm-hmm. a big, long voice note just to make sure like I kept the integrity of the melody that he wanted me to sing with it. Um, I sent it off to um, Joe Salamita at Vanquish Studios. I sent it to him and I'm like, I really want to record this song. He was weeping. Everybody that he showed, they would cry. And it was just this song that was so pure and so so honest with my situation and the things that I've been through, but also, I mean, everybody can identify with those women in a weird way, like the woman at the well and the woman in adultery. No, I've never committed adultery. No, I've never, you know, had five husbands and my fifth wasn't however it goes, but you identify with like how those women felt in those interactions with Jesus. You know, you feel humiliated. You feel so embarrassed you feel just like the bottom of the cesspool you know and then Jesus walks in and he just he just fixes everything and he just makes you a totally different person when you leave and I and I believe that that song was for me you know I was just like God that is my song you know and I got home and I played it on the piano even my husband was like where did that song come from like who wrote that song I was like I did (laughs) you know and um uh, I just, uh, it was just this moment, I guess, where the Lord gave me this song and, and I sent it to Joe and we planned to release this song like as soon as possible. And it did not get released or even recorded until March, uh, of the following year, 2020. And then it didn't release until May. And so it was almost a full year before it got released, but in between the release, I mean, it had gone through so many hands. There were so many people that got to listen to it and that just felt the presence of God in that song. And so we didn't want to steer too far away from the demo, which was literally like me at my piano at home. Um, so um, we kept it so simple. And I believe that that was such a good move because it feels like the integrity of the song 
it's not in the music and it's not in the the performance so much as the orchestra. It's about the words and the stories that are encapsulated into each yeah. of those verses. And just the moment that you feel with God, when you get to listen to that song, I just love it. I get weepy when I talk about this song, cause it's like, it's like my baby, but also it's just the glory goes to the Lord. Like I, I had nothing to do with that song and I'll be the first to admit it. Like, seriously, if Jesus could get royalties, it's, they're his. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. I love that so much. That's just so, you know, I think a lot of us feel like we have to work so hard to do certain things. And, you know, it's okay if we do have to work hard on certain projects and certain things that the Lord wants us to do. Sometimes there is hard work. You know, sometimes we must labor and we must be faithful in the laboring. Um, but there are times when the Lord is just so good and so merciful. And I think there are little things to help us personally. Like you said, that song was for you. And maybe it was just to give you a little bit to push you in the right direction, to give you confidence in, in, in yeah. him, you know, um, that he sees you, that he heard you, that he's with you, that you are not alone. And maybe that song was, was in a sense, like his song for you, you know, a father, <laughs> a father giving his daughter a song, you know, a father daughter right. song, you know, and I think that's mm -hmm. so beautiful. And, um, you know, uh, I think it is important what we listen to. I think it's important the the influence that we the influences that we have. And you know, I'm going to switch gears a little bit because I think this kind of goes along with what we're talking about. You know, you creating music for the Lord, but you're also creating music for for the church and for those of us mm -hmm. who want to have that uh, positive, you know, uh, influence in our media. We were talking about this before we started recording, you know, it is important what we listen to. It's important what we watch. It's important what mm. um, is imputed into us. And um, actually uh, one of my books, the glitter effect is about that, um, mm. you know, and how, how uh, God planted the the song on your heart for my, so my stoning. Um, he did the same for this book um, wow. because obviously I'm creative and I love glitter and he, he wanted me to use the analogy of our influence is like glitter. We can't wow. clean it all up. Um, there's going to be a speck somewhere and mm -hmm. it's going to impact someone. Wow. I haven't got the chance to read that yet. I truthfully haven't even had time to read anything, but like listen to my Bible in the mornings. Like I haven't sure. even had time to read my Bible. Um, yeah, but I'll, that's on my reading list for sure. I, I have been meaning to actually buy it from your shop. So this is a good reminder right now. I'm going to buy it as soon as we're done here. <laughs> that's so You're great. God is so good. He's he so really good. Is. And I love that he uses our understanding and our interpretations of things, you know, for you, it's writing and, and, and honestly, like podcasting, you're a gifted podcaster, you're gifted at art. Like you, I've seen some of the art that you do and it's so beautiful and you're just gifted in those areas. And the Lord just uses those to speak right to you. And it's the same, you know, with myself and songwriting, it's like, mm -hmm. this isn't a song necessarily. Like when I sit down to write, it's like, I'm not writing a song for so-and-so's, you know, recording or so-and-so's album. I'm not writing a song for myself. I'm writing a song for the glory of God. And however it gets distributed or used, that's up to the Lord. And he truly has open doors and closed doors. And that's just the way that he works. And it seems like when he does close one door, he opens another. So it's just so cool to see the Lord kind of meeting us on our level. I love that so much. 
Okay, I'm going to stop our discussion right here. That was the end of part one of my conversation with Eleni Young. Tune in next week so that you can hear the rest of our amazing chat. We'll jump right into part two. You don't want to miss it. So hold on for now, and I'll see you again next week. Were you inspired by this episode? I hope so. If you were, please take a screenshot of your podcast player and share it on Instagram stories, tagging me at HelloAwesomeLive. That's H-E-L-L-O-A-W-E-S-O-M-E-L-I-V-E. It really encourages me to see that you were blessed. Also, do you want a free digital devotional? Leave a five-star review in iTunes and DM me a screenshot of the review with your email address. You'll be gifted a digital devotional of your choice as a thank you. To learn more about Hello Awesome, head to helloawesome.live. That's H-E-L-L-O-A-W-E-S-O-M-E dot L-I-V-E. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.